This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. All right, it's that all-important time once again. You know it. It's time for the Decibel Geek Podcast. How's everybody doing? I'm Aaron Camaro, joined as always by Chris Sinzak. How's it going? It's going good, man. We got a lot of good response off last week, and we had so much fun hanging out with the guys from the Big Rock Show. What I remember of it was great. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, lot of, lot of fun, and uh, hopefully turned some people on to the Big Rock Show. And uh, yeah, well deserved too. You know, those yeah. guys as much fun as they were to hang out with, they kick ass. And I hope a lot of people have gone back and checked out the Shazam and have checked out Hair of the Dog. Yeah, if I, you can find it, it's out there. You just got to dig for it. If anyone could have moved any Hair of the Dog CDs, Aaron had to have last week it's good stuff man yeah. there's o- there was only three cds and all three of them are awesome so you know and talking about digging deep this week we're going to dig a little deep for some buried treasure yeah and i have to uh i have to i want to give credit where it's due but we get feedback and listener suggestions from so many different places and yeah. ways that i didn't have time to actually look it up but i every time you guys send a suggestion in for a show topic idea we don't ignore those I put them on a list. Right. I forgot to make the list include who suggested it, <laughs> just because I'm being forgetful, not because we don't want to give credit. And right. If I, and if you did give, come up with this idea, then please let me know, and I will give you credit. But basically, somebody had uh, emailed the show saying, or got in touch somehow, saying, here's an idea. Why don't you take um, song, great songs that are on albums that were kind of overlooked, you know, mm-hmm. and... Uh, you know, kind of like best of the worst or something like a great song off right. an album that's considered by most people bad or an, a bad selling album. Right. And I kind of suggested best of the worst, and then Aaron was like, "Well, maybe that's not the best yeah, idea." Yeah, because you call you it know, best of the worst, and it like, almost sounds like you know, here's a shitty band that had yeah. a, had a good song. So you know? we and, and we don't we don't play shitty bands on the Decibel Geek podcast. Not usually ever. So we compromised. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some feedback over a Beastie Boys song here. Yeah, but uh, Johnny cash has been played here before yeah yeah that was a weird episode i it saw was. some feedback on that recently yeah, it was like wow that was a while ago but yeah. yeah point taken so the compromise was how about buried treasure yeah and i was like well that'll make the artwork easy you would you thought i at thought the time. until finding <laughs> finding a treasure chest on google images that i could cut up and make work was a right. little bit of a pain in the ass but the idea is is that these are, are songs that are treasures that have basically been buried for one reason or another whether it be record sales or yeah. billboard or whatever weren't quite as successful as these bands have been known to be yeah because you know you'll have a band that's popular one minute and with at least a, at least in america in europe they're a little bit more they latch on more and they hang on more to what they love. Right, and it, as we talked to Ryan Cook last week, Europe and Wisconsin. Right, <laughs> Wisconsin is that's now it. part of Europe. Right, but um, <laughs> so you know, it's it's one of those things. We're in America. It's typically we're we're into what's hot now, and when a band's on the charts, they'll love them. And then these bands continue though, and they keep releasing material. And sometimes they even work harder because they're not selling. Right, and all that hard work kind of goes for nothing because it doesn't get. Uh, noticed until right. today well yeah that's the thing i think the important word in that is typically but here at the decibel geek we're podcast change that we're anything but typical as are our listeners so speaking of awesome listeners who's our geek of the week okay well i don't have an actual name for our geek of the week okay the reason being it's a mystery 
I have an iTunes handle because this week's Geek of the Week comes from a review that was put on the Decibel Geek iTunes uh, page. Excellent. So there, there's nothing I love more. We love these reviews. Yeah, we love the reviews on iTunes. Very important stuff for us. And this is a way to get more of you to give us a review because there's a lot more of you that listen to the show than actually go on iTunes and give us a review. Oh, for sure. And we want to change you know, that. And we'll admit that going on iTunes and actually leaving a, a review is kind of a pain in the ass, but believe it when we say we appreciate it so much because, you know, with our ratings on iTunes, if it goes up, it goes up, it goes up. More people you know, see the show. Yeah, it, lo- it makes us look like we're big shots. And it makes yeah. people realize that, you know, there's still a lot of people out there that give a damn about hard rock and heavy metal. Yeah, so if you want to, you know, forward the mission of the Decibel Geek Podcast. That's right. Carry the crusade, you know, of hard rock and heavy metal. Are we religious now? Yeah. <laughs> so just go on there and give us a review. And so this week's Geek of the Week is someone who goes by the name I'm Monster 64 Okay. I don't think it's a birthday. Kiss fan? Maybe. Well, let's read and find okay. out. Okay. It says, I discovered the Decibel Geek podcast during this year's Kissmas in July. So, yes, he's there a Kiss go. fan. And, uh, and I was immediately hooked. Week after week, Chris and Aaron provide a prodigious program, so professional that at times I forget I'm listening to a podcast and think I'm listening to the radio. Nice. Ah, but then I remember radio programs about music haven't been this entertaining and interesting in a long, long time. Indeed. I graduated high school in 1983 and graduated boot camp U.S. Navy in 1985. I thoroughly enjoyed the 85 year in review episodes. That one's was been very popular. Yeah, you can't go wrong with 85. I knew, great when, year. I knew when we did 85, I, we should have probably split in at three. Yeah, it was we so could good. have easily. The, he says the highlight of that year for me was seeing Kiss in concert for the first time in my life at the San Diego Sports Arena. I had been a fan of the band for almost a decade at that point, but never had a chance to see them in concert. So I always have a soft spot for Kiss Asylum. By the way, Wasp was the opening act. Nice. Anyway, Chris and Aaron keep. You keep on making a great podcast, and I'll keep on listening. So it sounds like a deal, iMonster64. Yes, and you, wherever you are, in parts unknown with your mysterious (laughs) Kiss-like name, our Geek of the Week with all the honor, glory, prestige, and uh, Monopoly money. Monopoly money. Right? Yeah. It's in the mail. You deserve Geek of the Week alone for having a soft spot for the Asylum era of Kiss. Right. Not the best visual look for the band. And for taking the time to leave us an iTunes review, which Thank we you. love so much. So, yeah, keep sending those in, folks. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, you want us to know that we're loved? That's the way to do it. Absolutely. Let everybody know we're loved. Absolutely. So uh, we got to get on with the music, right? Yeah, we got a lot of great music to play this week. And, you know, the thing I found out while we were putting this together is we could do about 10 of these episodes because there's a lot of buried treasure mm-hmm. out there in hard rock and heavy metal. So I'm going to start mine off with a band we talked about a little bit last week when we were hanging out with Jeremy and Ryan from the Big Rock Show, and that is Enough's Enough. You know, everybody knows Enough's Enough came out in 1989 with their debut, which was, you know, it was pretty popular, pretty well received. They had videos on MTV. You know, they were semi, you know... I don't know, pop successful. They, they were, I'd call they them were, a, a two-hit wonder. Yeah, they were up there for in 89. And yeah. then in 91 comes out, and it's severe drop-off for them. Yeah. But the album's strength is just amazing. They follow that up with, in 93 with Animals with Human Intelligence, which is another good I album. Like but one. at that point, you know, enough's enough in the, in the spotlight. Yeah, the general public said, hey, enough's enough. Right, exactly. So then in 94, they released kind of a compilation album. And in 1995, they come back with Tweaked, which is basically their independent debut. You know, they're not with the big record company anymore. This is enough's enough getting to be enough's enough. Yeah. You know, because enough's enough, it always seemed like was a band that got caught up in the glam thing and didn't really 
you know, they, they weren't really a part of that. I always got the impression that when they got picked up by their record company, it's like, okay, you're going to have to dress like this and you're going to have to do these kind of videos because that's what's popular right now. And yeah. it didn't really seem like it was them. The music was yeah. so different. Rainbows from, dancing around was, yeah, just wasn't them. Strange stuff going on in them <laughs> videos. It's no wonder everybody kind of hated them for a minute there. I love the music, though. The music, you can't beat it. And when Enough's Enough gets to be Enough's Enough, yeah, oh man, it's it's it sounds untoppable. Like this. It sounds like this. So check this one out. This one came out in uh, 1995. How far did it get on the billboards? Nothing. Zip. <laughs> zero. Didn't even chart. Not even 200. But nonetheless, it's my favorite Enough's Enough album. And there's a bunch of them. They're still coming out with new music all the time. So check this one out. You're going to love it off a of tweet. This one's called Life is Strange.
Chicago's own Enough's Enough yes. from Tweet. Not all peace signs and rainbows on that one. Good rocking tune from Enough's Enough. Big difference on that album, I think, that, that really stood apart from their first uh, three, I guess, mm-hmm. was the absence of Derek Frigo and yeah. his over-the-top, noodling, crazy yep. 80s-style guitar playing, where Tweaked featured their original guitar player, Gino Martino, and more of a blues-based kind of a sound. Right. You know, of yeah. course, with the Beatles' influence and Cheap Trick thrown in there and all that good stuff. Right. Derek Frigo, uh, kind of similar in style to Vinnie Vincent. Yeah, kind of. Listen to the bonus track this week. We're going to talk Vinnie. We are. Yeah. Oh, wow. Some new activity. Okay. So anyway. Yeah, um, rest in peace, Derek Frigo. Right. And uh, I'm at my first pick is going to be a band that uh, I guess enough's enough look-wise were kind of accused of copying. Yeah, I'm sure. Record company said, look at these guys. Look how many albums they're selling. You need to dress like that. Of course, I'm talking about Poison. Who, who else? Uh, you know, they were known for the over-the-top glam look. And um, But I'm going to play, you know, as I said, we're talking about buried treasures, talking about albums that weren't big. So obviously I'm not playing anything from Open Up and Say Ah or no. Look What the Cat Dragged. Right. I want to play something from an album that basically the record company wanted to bury exactly. for a long, long time. Yeah, we talked about this. I think this is the perfect example of buried treasure because this was, you know, buried and put on a shelf. And whoever, and I do remember whoever suggested this episode, this was like one of the first ones that they suggested. Was the po- this was a, as a prime example of what they're talking about. Poison released Crack a Smile, released in 2000, but actually recorded between 94 and 95. Right. It was supposed to be released around that time. Right. But like you said, the record company at that time, you know, these bands, Poison, the like of that, you know, they're but not They're way out of fashion at that point. And the sad thing is, though, and, you know, and this is, uh, this is Poison going through another transitional phase with uh, Blue Saraceno playing the lead guitar parts. Yeah. And um, I got to be honest, this is the most well-produced Poison album that was ever released. It's tough for me because, you know, everybody knows I really dig Poison. I like the old stuff, too. The heavy rocking Poison tunes, I love them. The love ballads, eh, I can live without those. But the hard rocking, just kick-ass, straightforward rock of Poison, I I love it. I eat it up. C.C. DeVille's got a lot to do with that in my book. But with all that being said, you know, as big a C.C. DeVille fan as I am, This is my favorite it's, Poison album, this, without a doubt. And CC Deville doesn't play a note on it. Yeah, if you were gonna want to, if you wanted to show somebody a Poison album and and try to impress them with their musicality, this would be the album you would choose, in my opinion. Yeah, for I liked sure. what they did with Cotson, but he didn't fit in quite as well. No, as Blue Saracino. I don't like the way Cotson changed the dynamic of the band. Right, I don't either. So, but Blue Saraceno steps right in, and you know, basically, I'm sure just does what the rest of the band tells him to do, yeah. and does it exceptionally. And he well. was, uh, you know, one of the he was a very well known amongst guitar players. You know, you'd see him in Guitar oh, World yeah. every month. He was one of those guys that always had the ads in the back yeah. that said, you know, I'll teach you how to play yeah. guitar. Buy my VHS. Right, always <laughs> and it always played a plaid guitar. Plaid was his. Oh, yeah. his was his That's sort right. of his look. Yep. So uh, great guitarist, and too bad his you know his time with the band was so short lived. By the time this was released, they were they had CC back in the band. Right, and what they were opening for Kiss on the big return, right? I think. No, One no. of the big tours, I think it, that's how it, it worked was, out. It was, it was around when they had their revival. All of a sudden, yeah. hair metal was in again. And, right. And, like, and well, Kiss was back. I think, out. well, you got to figure right around 2000. So what uh, What tour was uh, that? When Poison opened for Kiss, though, it was 2004. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. So. But I think originally when Kiss got back together, Poison was coming back and doing some stuff. And I think that's what brought CC yeah. back into the band. It was. And yeah. then, you know, it, suddenly there was an interest in this stuff. And Kiss helped right. open the door to that. So, you, so we've already got Kiss into the show. Yeah, I'm so, sure not um, for uh, the last time. So, yeah. But the, the only, it's a great album. It has a lot of great songs. But, a lot uh, of great songs on that Only one. charted at 131 on the Billboard 200. So for that Poison, not where, very good. Yeah, where they were at at 2000, putting out an album that was never intended to be released. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a good album. There's some great songs. And uh, I just want 
with this one. I like this song. This is Shut Up, Make Love. So many good songs you could have chose off that one. Like I said, one of my favorite Poison albums, if not the. Yeah, we and I've played uh, Tragically Unhip off, of, off yeah. of this album before, so it's a good album. There's a lot of good tunes on it. Anybody that likes hard rock and heavy metal, I recommend that one, even if you're not a Poison fan. It's one of the better if, ones. If you really want to give yourself a chance on Poison, I recommend this. Check out that album, and you're going to love it. Man, it's really good stuff. There's no sublime covers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> nothing like that. Boy, All that's right. that could be... Save that little SoundCloud for that too, maybe. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> we'll be right. talking Vinnie Vincent and, and Brett, Brett Michaels, Michaels. Right, maybe you... Sammy Hagar. Oh, yeah. Um, all right, let's keep moving. You know, and 
we're putting this list together and like i said there's a million different ways you can go with this you know because there's so many good bands that have put out albums that maybe weren't quite as well received as some of their other ones and you know we're always doing hard rock and heavy metal stuff you know and we we rarely go back but we do you know we always pay pay tribute to the forefathers of hard rock and heavy metal and so i'm going to go back for one that came out in 1971 but when this one came out the band was already kind of on their decline and i'm talking about jim morrison and the doors but it was a pretty nice decline for that era you know you got to figure the doors came out in 67 with their debut you know and that went to number two strange days after that number three waiting for the sun number one the soft parade number six morrison uh, hotel comes back up 90 uh uh, number four on and i'm talking about u.s billboard right and uh and then la woman the last doors album to feature jim morrison you know, comes in at number nine, which, yeah. oh, man, that's So that's the poor terrible, selling you know? Doors album <laughs> landed at number nine. I'm boycotting this pick of Aaron's. I'm sorry. Well, they can't all, I mean, by by comparison, yeah. you know. Well, And this this marked a change in sound for the Doors, too, yeah. because they weren't coming out with the same kind of music they were on those first few albums. They were getting a little more a little more heavy. You I know? like this album a I lot. I do, too. This is, yeah. and in, in retrospect, this album has outsold a lot of the other albums. Yeah, that, it went, that, sold over two you know, million. Yeah, that peaked higher on the Billboard. Yeah. chart so you know maybe not maybe not as good as of an example as yeah. the uh poison song off but, Crack it shows, Smile, but it shows how great the band was right yeah. so if anyone ever tells you the doors they don't rock that's not a hard rock band you challenge them with this one and this is a great tune like i said 1971 off of la woman check out the rock and robbie krieger guitar solo in this one just kicks ass so crank it up right here on the decibel geek podcast this is the changeling
pretty a, damn heavy for the doors, huh? A paltry showing at number nine on the U.S. charts. That's the <laughs> door. I'm talking by comparison, you know, to their other stuff. Well, what do you want me to do? Play the other voices or full circle? No. I don't think so. No, not uh-uh. really. But, uh, yeah, so, but, you know, it's a great song. And, hey, you know, we, have we ever played the doors? Yeah, we have. We've played a couple yeah, of Yeah, back songs. in 1968, I think. Or 69. Or was it 69? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How can I forget? 69. Dude. Yeah. yeah. So, but, uh,. <laughs> I want to play uh, a band that came out in the early '90s, oh, but uh, a little more current anyway. But had a sound that was very reminiscent of you know '60s and early '70s. Oh yeah, talking about Badlands. Talk about a band that was way too short-lived. And, yeah. Uh, How know, many albums they come out with? Two. Just the two, huh? I think it was just the two. Yeah. Only one with Eric Singer. Yeah, and this one is not it. Mm. So this is, you know, the first one came out and did did pretty well. I think I remember a story of you. Uh, Telling Eric Singer you love the Badland albums, the, the, the Badlands album. album that he wasn't on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're the gonna bring that was, up now. The drumming was so much more fantastic this on re- that one. This, you really stepped it up. This is revenge for for me making fun <laughs> of the Doors. Okay, yeah. All right. So the '98 Nashville Kiss Expo, Eric Singer's a special guest, and I get up to the table, and I liked. I've always liked both Badlands albums. Yeah. But I was never. I wasn't a diehard fan and knew everything about him, so I just assumed. Oh, he must have played on both of them. Right. Well, I was wrong. I get up to the table. I'm like, hey, man, love the Badlands stuff, especially the second album. And he gave me a look like, huh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, you probably didn't know if you were trying to be an asshole or if you were just being a dumbass. (laughs) Yeah, both. But uh, uh, it's not good either way. But uh, So I was was just kind of like, wow, he actually kind of strange. And then I was telling somebody later, and they're like, he didn't play on the second album. I'm like, oh. Oh, no. So it was ultimate facepalm moment. That's great. So, yeah. Sorry, Eric, if you're listening, but uh, you know he is. Voodoo Highway released June of 1991, second album from Badlands. Eric left to join Kiss around that time, and uh, he was replaced by Jeff Martin, who was the singer for uh, Surgical Steel and then Racer X. Oh yeah, Racer X, they were awesome. It had Paul Gilbert playing guitar. I remember that cover of Godzilla. That was badass by Racer X. Yeah, it is. See, we could play some of them. There's a million different ways this buried treasure can go. Yeah, we need to do. I want to do a, like an all shred fest episode of some of those old shredder guitars from from back in the day. That'd be pretty cool. It would be fun. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah, it'd be the second chance to play some blue Saraceno. Yeah, there you go. Right on. <laughs> so yeah, I guess we got, it does kind of cross over that. Uh huh. So yeah, so you know, Badlands known for a very bluesy heavy metal sound. Jake you know? e. Lee. Jake e. Lee, fantastic and. He's apparently putting together a new band called Red Dragon Cartel, and it's going to be coming really? out with a new album. So nice. Well, I'm, you know, I'm very he, excited. And for he that. just appeared on the last Enough's Enough album that came yeah. out, and you saw the guitar work on that. Yeah, I he's some uh, of that a while he's back. finally putting his toe back in the water. So I hope there's a lot of stuff to come. That's from good because that he wails, man. That awesome guy's guitar awesome. player. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I want to play something off Voodoo Highway, which is the second album. Definitely, you know, the band was in a lot of uh, drama here with uh, Ray Gillen was about to be pushed out, and there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. But uh, they still managed to pull off a great album. There was at least four songs on here I could have chose from that I wanted to play. Right on. But uh, I'm going to go with this one right now. This is the uh, opening track. This is Badlands with The Last Time.
doctors define modern rock disorder as a sudden, intense drop in musical taste affecting all facets of the victim's lives and the lives of those around them. Over 20 million Americans suffer. Do you? The Decibel Geek Podcast offers new hope. The Decibel Geek Podcast, the only podcast proven effective for MRD. The Decibel Geek Podcast is not for everyone. People wearing skinny jeans that listen to Grizzly Bear, Vampire Weekend, and Animal Collective should not listen to the Decibel Geek Podcast. In placebo-controlled clinical studies, effects of the Decibel Geek Podcast were proven to counteract and defeat the effects of MRD in a majority of patients. Though some experiences may differ, side effects were minimal and resulted in the propensity to ask for and receive the best, a non-ironic appreciation for vinyl and increased testosterone. MRD hurts. The Decibel Geek Podcast can help. Visit www.decibelgeek.com to begin the road to recovery. Hi, I'm the Red House on the Corner, right where your baby used to stay, and you're listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast. All right, you're listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast. We're back for a little bit more. We got some great music coming up. But, you know, the thing here today we're doing is we're digging deep. We're looking for buried treasure. Now, these are bands that have seen the mountaintops, the huge peaks of success. You know, sometimes things change. You know, things change. You know, you don't, you don't get number one on the billboard with this one, you know. And, and maybe this one didn't sell quite as much as that one. But a lot of times there's some great music on these albums nonetheless. Yeah, totally. Especially, you know, like I said earlier, some bands work harder when they're not charting like they did. And so... So in that case, sometimes they put out even better material, but it's just too bad people don't notice it. Right, and a lot of times, you know, the bands, like, are they're not under the pressure of the record labels to make a certain type of music, and they get to a certain point where they can do their own thing, you know, and do what they feel comfortable doing. And in other instances, there's times when bands don't get the recognition that they deserve until a little bit later on in their career. And that brings us up to my next pick. Right. Now, here's a band that a lot of people love. A lot of people that listen to the Decibel Geek podcast love them some Black Label Society. Yeah. You know I'm talking about? Zach Wilde. Now, hopefully we don't get a chance to meet Zach Wilde anytime soon because I know that you will probably say, man, Zach, I really love that new Ozzy album. Yeah, I don't think he'd go for that very much. No, probably he'd not. probably put me in a headlock or something. <laughs> and you'd deserve it. But talking about Black Label Society, the first time they ever charted on the U.S. Billboard was with uh, 2003's Blessed Hell Ride. You know, and yep. they actually had a couple singles off. It's Stillborn, you know, great. It's a great album. But what a lot of people don't realize is that he had three albums that came out before that were that were just stellar. So Zach Wilde hooks up with Spitfire back in 1999, releases Sonic Brew, comes back in 2000 with Stronger Than Death, both amazing albums, and then comes back in 2002 with 1919 Eternal. You know, with Spitfire, none of these albums chart. They don't no. even crack the top 200, but is as amazing as the, al as the albums are. Mm -hmm. You know, so I want to play something off 1919 Eternal, and these were, a lot of these songs were songs that Ozzy rejected that Zach Wilde had written, you know, for the uh, Down to Earth album. Yeah. And Ozzy said it sounded too Black Label Society. So he's like, okay, I'll just make it my own then. Right, so that's exactly what he did. So he put it together, added some new songs to it. And, I mean, it's hard. You know, if I'm talking about the first three Black Label Society albums, it's so hard to pick one tune to represent all that. But I'm going to go with 1919 Eternal. Let's go with The Demise of Sanity. Sounds good.
That's the heavy metal inspiration for Duck Dynasty, Zach Wild, and Black yeah. Label Society. You know what sucks when I didn't had no idea what Duck Dynasty was, and I saw the T-shirt in Walmart, and I was like, "Cool, ZZ Top." Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> There's four of these guys, and they all have beards. We've officially jumped the shark. We're talking about Duck Dynasty on the show. We were talking about that one day about how they what ripped off a Kiss T. Well, they I don't know if it was a rip off, hey, but I think some, somebody in the marketing group for that uh, show is has to be a Kiss fan. Because they had all four of their faces lined up like Kiss does on the Dynasty thing. Right. And so, of course, a lot of people have spoofed it on Facebook and put Photoshopped the makeup onto their face. Right. But, yeah, the way their heads are lined up, it's called Duck Dynasty. It and looks they, just they, like it's Dynasty. It's written out like Kiss, too, yeah, right? So, yeah, yeah. Kiss like, font. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> somebody likes Kiss. but uh, A know, lot of people like Kiss. And a lot of people like Duck Dynasty. So I've never seen it. My wife watches it. I uh, I haven't watched it yet. I'm kind of scared, but um, she, <laughs> but you know, and she. This is one of those shows before we got cable back back together. God, I'm sorry, we're real so off the track here. Before we got cable turned back on, we would see commercials on other things and hear about it and be like, "That sounds stupid." Right. 
And then when it came on, one day she was watching it with the kids, and she started laughing. She came here into the kitchen, and she goes, I hate to admit it, but it's actually really, really funny. So uh-huh. so maybe it's good. I don't if they're know. they're KISS fans, it can't be bad. I'm too busy editing and, and recording <laughs> and, and putting this show together for you people. At the last moment. Again. Yeah. And watching the Chiefs go to 4-0. But, uh, hey, you know, football season. Sorry, guys. Those of you, I know those of you in Europe don't give a shit. But uh, anyway, so we're back. Um, I got the next pick, right? Oh, they give a shit in that European state of Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> if you heard last week. Oh, so it's my turn. Um, speaking of European, talking about uh, a band, you know, and this is a, this is definitely going fast forward from their heyday, talking about Hanoi Rocks. Oh, yeah. You know, from Helsinki, Finland. Right. You know. Uh, Michael Monroe. Michael Monroe. If you heard the new album. It's good. It's really good. I like solo stuff, man. It's called Horns and Halos. I got to check out the whole thing. It's on Spotify. You can yeah? The whole thing. Right on. Awesome. But uh, anyway, so this was, uh, the, they released Street Poetry in 2007. As it, it wasn't Michael Monroe. This is a Hanoi Rocks album? It's a album? Hanoi Rocks album. Right on. Well, it's basically him and Andy McCoy right. with some other guys. Not Razzle. Well, no. Not no. <laughs> Talk to Vince Neal about right. that. Right. But, um... They decided to go ahead and put the name back on and, you know, try it out again. And they put out a great record. And it came out September 5th, 2007. Obviously, their heyday was well behind right. them at this In point. 2007, I don't see a lot of people clamoring for Not a new really. Hanoi Rocks it, album. It did... It did really well in Europe, but it didn't chart at all here in, no. in Tennessee. In, not Tennessee, in America. Or America. Or America. But uh, <laughs> it did good, and uh, I wanted to play. It. This was an internet-only single, so this is kind of a hard-to-find. Not really hard-to-find track, but it was a little scarce. We're digging deep for yeah, buried treasure. So, yeah, if you if you haven't listened, if you gotten into Hanoi Rocks, you'll definitely want to buy some Hanoi Rocks after listening to this. This is Hanoi Rocks. With this one's for rock and roll.
very rocking tune right there. Fits in perfectly with what we're doing today. That's Hanoi Rocks. Good choice. Hard man. to believe that didn't make the album. That was an internet only single. Huh. That, that song, that's I would have let off the album with yeah, that. Yeah, maybe that was like the idea was, you know, the teaser to get everybody to buy the album. And while we're talking about buying the album, yeah, we, we got to tell you guys about something cool. Yeah, this is, and we're working our way into the whole Amazon affiliate thing. And a lot of, I don't know, we're not going to, we're not going to shill things over and over again for you, but hey. No. We'd like to make a little bit of dough on this, and we want to help you get some new music. And we know you guys are good listeners, and if you get turned on to something on this show, you will go out and you will purchase to support the artist. Right, and I'm always getting feedback all the time of people that say, oh, man, you know, you played this great song and this great band, and I had no idea who they were, so I went right to Amazon and I bought the CD. Well, yeah. you know, if you're going to buy the CD anyway, you know, and it's us, we're turning you on to all this new stuff, you know, it only takes a second. But you can go to our show notes. You can click on the bands, the songs right there. It's going to take you right to Amazon. Yep. And you buy it, and it gives us a little kickback on the show. You know, It's not much, but it's enough to help kick in, to help pay for it, to keep it free. It's always going to be free yeah. one way or another. You know, whether it's us struggling, trying to make it, or you helping us to, to continue it, to keep it happening. You know, and this is a great way to just, you know, it's, you're going to buy the music anyway. You're going to say, oh, man, you know, enough's enough. They came out with Tweaked. It's a buried treasure, but not anymore because I'm about to unearth it yeah. by ordering it on Amazon. So, you know, we are an Amazon affiliate now, and you'll see the you'll see buy music on the show notes. Just in every one of those titles you'll see, click on that link. It takes you directly to that page to buy it. And, right. uh, and we get a few cents out of that, and uh, it helped. everybody wins. And if you're going to buy anything else off Amazon, just go to our website, www.decibelgeek.com, and click on click the, on Amazon, the banner. Amazon banner, and it's going to take you right there. Buy that car, and then <laughs> yeah, you know, buy a car. pay for our show for a month it or would two. Yeah, it would, help, it would help a lot. <laughs> so, you know, we, we appreciate any support we get. So. Or buy a car CD, either way. It, yeah. it all helps. The cars? Well, you know, you buy a car. You Nobody buy listening cars. to this show is buying a CD by the cars. You don't know that. Nah, I'm pretty confident. They had a guitar that. player. Yeah. So they're a rock band. Don't see the cars in concert. They're the most non-movable band in history. I suppose, especially at this day and age. But even back in their heyday, they yeah. just stood there. Yeah. Mm. I know too much about the that's cars. No, yeah, that's no good. That no good to what we're doing here today. We're we're doing some stuff, some active rock and roll of bands, you know. And we talked about the Doors earlier, and you gave me a little hell. All oh, the Doors, you know, they only made it to number five. Oh, what a what a pity that was. Well, here's a band that has released a bunch of albums over the years. Talk about like four of them went to number one. The other four they released went to number two, but there was one in there that only went to number five. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> and I'm talking about Pearl Jam, you know? And, and Pearl Jam, a lot of times people say, Decibel Geek playing Pearl Jam? I'm sorry. That doesn't seem right. But Pearl Jam is a hard rocking band, you know? And the funny thing is, is the one album that didn't go to number one or number two by Pearl Jam was an album that came out in, uh, let's see, 2002. I'm talking about Riot Act. Yeah. And people consider that like the Pearl Jam hard rock album. Well, let's let's spin something, and I hope I can feel better about this. Okay, well, check this one out. You're gonna love it. You gotta you gotta listen to the solo. It's so Ace Frehley. You're gonna love it. So check this one out. I'm gonna say it. It's Pearl Jam. Crank it up. This one's kind of heavy for them. You're gonna love it. This one's called Get Right. In the haste that's water and sunshine Wait for the moment The moment between us The fire is made now Harder to touch I wanted to get 
low charting yes. number five album by Pearl Jam. Well, right? you know, by Pearl Jam standards, number five is a disappointment. God, if, if only we could all be so unlucky. Right, you know, that's a tough problem to have, right? Good song, though. It's a great great song, great album, you know, and I'm maybe not the biggest Pearl Jam fan in the world. As a matter of fact, before 2002, I didn't give two shits about Pearl Jam. I did not like the band. My brother forced me to go see him on that Riot Act tour, and they won me over that night right here in Nashville, Tennessee. And if you haven't, Technically Antioch. And if you haven't seen it, the Pearl Jam 20 documentary is actually really good, too. It's a great band. Yeah. You know, it's a good history. To me, Pearl Jam is 50-50. There are 50% songs that I love and 50% songs that I just don't like at all. Yeah, so they're a mixed bag. But, so, yeah. but that's a good song. But when they rock, baby, ooh, yeah. they Mike kick McCready, it in the Mike McCready, the guitarist, is a big Kiss fan. Yeah, so. Matt Cameron, too. Yeah. Pounding yeah. on them drums. So, yeah. Black so, Diamond style. Yeah, they've played Black Diamond with Ace. In Heck, yeah. So I've got the next pick, and uh, let's see. What is my next pick? Okay, here's one. And I'm not going to go into a lot of deep detail because we don't have a ton of time left. But this song, I have to admit, I picked it because one of our former guests on the show was just so awesome, and this shows off his skill very well. Mm-hmm. Talking about John Regan, who, of course, you know him from Fraley's Comet, but the guy's Love played guy. with everybody. Yeah, he has. When we talk to him, you guys go back and check out that episode when we talk to John Regan. Yeah, you know him from Ace Fraley's Comet, but he's There's done a lot, a lot of cool stuff over the years. And this was one of them. And obviously, David Lee Roth releasing an album in 94 was not going to get the attention he wanted. Well, no, because it's 1994, yeah. and the last thing that all the Nirvana and Pearl they Jam and Stone Temple about Pilots... David Lee Roth. They, oh, yeah, they're all big David Lee Roth fans. Especially because, and I'll, I'll admit, <laughs> The majority of this album is it's not what you would expect. It's it's right. it's really off the beaten path. Oh, it's got some gems on it though. It does though. It's called the album's called Your Filthy Little Mouth. And uh, this is one of them. Great bass playing by John Regan. This is She's My Machine.
All right, we're in the home stretch right here on the Decibel Geek Podcast, digging for a little buried treasure here today, and we have definitely found it. We played some Enough's Enough, some Poison. We even put the Doors in there, mixing in with the Badlands and the Black Label Society, the Hanoi Rocks, the, the Pearl, Pearl Jam. Jam. Yeah. Heavy metal Pearl Jam. That was a good tune. You got to admit it. Uh, David Lee Roth in 1994. We wrapped it up at the last segment, and we're coming back. We got a few more for you today. Yeah. Talk about bands David Lee Roth style that were, you know, talk about, you know, that filthy little mouth came out in 94. Yeah. You know, 95 is the my next pick, and it's kind of like the same situation. Here's a band that was really kicking ass, say, you know, the late 80s, really early 90s, but come 1995, Warren's pretty much off the radar. Oh, persona non grata. Yeah, no one know, anything to do with them. And Warren's one of them bands. I think if if you're a hard rocker or you're you're a metalhead, you look at Warren one of two ways. Either you look at him as you know Janie Lane, one of the greatest songwriters ever out there, or Warren. Cherry the Cherry Pie Band. You know, yeah. it's always one of the two. And, of course, when Warren came out in 1989 with their debut, they had Bo Hill as their producer. Yeah. You know, and he was the guy that put Warren to, or put Rat. Rat over the top, you yeah. know, and then worked with those type of bands, went with Warren, put them up there. They debut at number 10 on the U.S. charts. They come back with Cherry Pie, which was a huge hit. Yeah. You know, huge. And that C. goes... C.C. DeVille playing the guitar song. Right? Goes up to number seven. You know, they come back with Dog Eat Dog, which is one of my personal all-time yeah. favorite we'll records. We'll get to listener picks in a minute. That you know, which that one, Dog Eat Dog, you know, the first two had Bo Hill produce, and Dog Eat Dog had Michael Wagoner. Yeah. You know, and Dog Eat Dog is a huge departure from them it first is. two albums, you know. And you talk about hair bands, you know, like in that kind of way... You know, a band cashing in on what's big at the time. You know, Warrant really did do that. You know, and yeah. Bo Hill was at the hilt of that saying, you know, I'm going to do for you what I did for Rat. Sure. You know, and so Warrant just kind of followed the formula that was laid out. Yeah. But by the time Dog Eat Dog came out, they were more about doing their own thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was a more by, honest album. By then, you know, it was over. It was pretty much over for a band like Warrant, but they're not giving up yet. They come back in 1995 with Ultraphobic and back in 1996 with Belly to Belly. Yep. Lost a few members here and there, but, you know, the, the core of the band is still there. I wanted to pick one off Ultraphobic. As good as Dog Eat Dog was, it still made it to number 25 on the U.S. Billboard charts. Ultraphobic comes out in 95, doesn't even chart. Yeah. But it's such a great album. And I think the fans that look at Janie Lane as one of the greatest songwriters ever really look to this album for that because a lot of the lyrics are really heavy, deep stuff on this. And it's definitely worth checking out. But forget about the heavy, deep stuff. Let's just concentrate on the heavy. And you're going to love this one. Here's Warrant cranking it up real loud. You got it. Oh, man. This one is this is heavy by Warrant standards by far. You're going to love it. From 1995's Ultraphobic, this is Warren with Undertow.
Boy, gone too soon. Danny Lane, man. Man, I love that yep. stuff. You know, and, and I'm all of the camp that, you know, those those last couple albums that weren't, you know, with, you know, the big time when they were making the big money and they yeah. were on MTV all the time. To me, those stuff, that's a lot more Uncle Tom's Cabin than it is Cherry Pot. Sure. You know, a lot yeah. deeper, a lot heavier, a lot of it, you know, definitely emotionally heavier. So if, yeah. if you're a fan of that kind of music, you know, even though those albums nowadays might be hard to track down, except through the links yeah, on Amazon. That's right. But definitely worth checking out. Take the time. Yeah, Trust they, me. They truly matured as a band as, as time went on, even though it wasn't selling like it used to. You know, the, a lot of the internal conflict, you know, hurt a lot of, hurt that band a lot. But, I mean, the music, when, when, I, when I say I'm the camp, Janie Lane is one of the greatest songwriters of all time. It's based off of those two albums after their heyday. Well, we're going to, I'm going to close things out today. And it's a bit of a somber note, but this... I couldn't I couldn't end the show cuz this this whole and in my opinion this album is a buried treasure because yeah no one paid any attention to this when it came out. Oh, definitely not because at the time. It was new wave of British heavy metal, Motley Crue, and new wave was still going on at this right. time. There there was a lot of things going on. No one was paying any attention in 1983 to Alice Cooper when Dada came out. Right. Alice Cooper could barely pay attention to Alice Cooper by the time Dada came out. Alice doesn't have any memory of the, making this album. That's how far off he was with drugs and alcohol. And it's crazy to me that we're going to play a we played a door song today that's heavier than the Alice Cooper that we're about to play. Yeah. Except for maybe the guitar solo. Well, it's just this is a this this is a it's a real buried treasure because this might be the most honest song that Alice ever wrote because yeah. it, it came from a very dark place. But it's just one of those songs where the honesty level, the professionalism that it w in which it was recorded, and Dick Wagner's amazing guitar solo. It oh, just it's killer. It's got all the pieces of a song that really should have gotten more attention than it than it got. And that makes me think of something that kind of strikes me. We look at like Enough's Enough and Poison and even The Doors. And, you know, we look at these bands, even Pearl Jam is a good example of this on this list, and Warren's a perfect example of bands that they come out and they're popular, and it's like, this is what you have to do now to continue to be popular. Yeah. And when they go back to being true to themselves and, and playing the music that they want to play and that they feel confident with, yeah. a lot of times, you know, they say the fans, you know, in unison, maybe not us, maybe not the Decibel Geeks, but the typical fans say, uh-uh. Yeah. We want the polished, poppy stuff. Right. And Alice... We the, don't want deep and introspective. And this this album was the last gasp of him go, before he finally went into rehab for the second time, cleaned himself up, and then had his major comeback in the mid-'80s. See, and I think that's what makes it more interesting to me. Yeah, I, this I, was... I like the deep and introspective. I like the reality of the bands that are doing what they want to do yeah. or what's real to them at that moment. And this, uh, yeah, this album is very to the bone. So last thing he did with Bob Ezrin also until he did Welcome to My Nightmare 2. Yeah. So uh, from September of 83, great guitar solo by Dick Wagner. Everybody have a good week. This is Alice Cooper with Pass the Gun Around. See you next week. Sonny wakes up in the morning feeling kind of sick. Needs a little stole vodka, needs it really quick. Sees a little blood run from his eyes, feels a little hotel paralyzed.
Watching cartoons The television's on There's a couple of party balloons And all my money's gone She was just a reason to unwind And actually the last thing I could Someone's pounding on the hotel door He wishes he was dead 